Yeah, it, it was a great way to see the country. And I feel like everyone was so hopeful and positive, yes. very hopeful yes. and positive and mm. nice way to meet people. Yeah, yeah, hopeful, that's a good word to use, yeah. It's like, what do I want to do for the last third of my life? Mm -hmm. And how do I want to set this up? And, you know, what are my intentions? And I wanted to do it before we got to, you know, before we couldn't do it anymore either, you know, but I, you know, I think it would be harder to do in our eighties. Let's put it that way. Mostly it was once we got towards the end of the Jura, you finally can look across at the Alps and yeah. the Alps are just so amazing. Again, this was now this was later in June, but there's still so much snow in the Alps at that time of year. And so they're awe inspiring. <laughs> uh, and what's amazing is here, you know, the Alps are five weeks of walking and every day is spectacular. <laughs> and it just keeps, you know, we, we just couldn't believe that it, you know, it can still be spectacular day after day after day. That's incredible, isn't it? Amazing. Yeah. Welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond. Every Monday, I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you, designed to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Hello, people. Welcome to this week's episode. Quick update from me. So I'm actually planning to go back to the UK for Christmas. So we're now in the works of working out when that's going to be and what we're going to do when we get there and then come back to Vancouver in the new year. In terms of the podcast, I'm hoping to get some collaborations done in Europe, hopefully in the UK, and maybe a cheeky one in France. We'll see what happens with that. And on today's episode, Kathy wrote a book about walking 1,400 miles from Northern Europe to Southern Europe. It's a fantastic episode, lots of information in this one. A great book too, I'll put that in the show notes. Make sure you buy that book, I highly recommend it. So let's get stuck in to the episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I'm joined by Kathy Elkind. Kathy is an author and writer and has released a book, To Walk Is To See It. This was a recommendation from a previous guest, Terry Repack. I'm going to discuss that book and some travel stuff today. They embarked on a massive walking journey, walking the GR5. We'll come to that if you don't know what that is later, which is roughly in Holland. It walks all the way down to Nice in France, about 1,400 miles if you're from UK and USA. And if you're elsewhere, that's probably about 2,500 kilometres, something like that. An epic journey, lots of questions. Kathy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm ex very excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Just before we get stuck into some early travels, where are you right now in the world? Um, I live in Vermont uh, in the United States, um, so up north, and we're in stick season right now. All the leaves have fallen off the trees, but the snow hasn't quite happened yet. <laughs> it's a dreamy part of the US, isn't it? That northeast corner, I think. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, we're, I can look out from my office window and see sea mountains and I was out hiking this morning it was it's very nice <laughs> oh dreamy we we drove the uh Kankamagas highway uh, probably about six weeks ago now maybe, no, maybe eight weeks actually and it's just the the full colors weren't quite there you can see it's just about to change but we got there a little bit too early but I can imagine that road those rolling green hills you see this on Instagram and Facebook right the, the rolling yeah, hills that you drive through yeah it just looks insane yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay 
and we're going to talk about your epic journey walking the GR5. Uh, first of all, I'm going to delve into a little bit of history for travel. Where did you grow up? And also, was there any trips that you took when you were younger, which maybe kind of got the travel thing going inside you? Um, I grew up um, outside of Boston in Dedham, Massachusetts. Um, and my family loved to camp and hike and that, that kind of thing. So, you know, living in, I consider New England, all of New England, we're lucky living outside of Boston that it's not too far to get to the mountains mm. and the um, coast of Maine, we camped there too. So um, my father was a amateur ornithologist. So we definitely, we always used to say the trips with the birds. Um, <laughs> and so we did a lot of camping and, and local travel along the, in the Northeast. Um, I think my first um, European trip was in um, high, uh, no college with um, two friends. And we just did the sort of the traditional tour two <laughs> days in pretty much every um, city, but it was, I loved it. I, you know, just getting to see other cities and the beauty of the beauty of churches and cathedrals and, um, and the way the streets are laid out. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm an early morning riser. So I do remember getting up early in the morning and either running or just walking through um, the city early in the morning is a great way to see a city. Yeah, a couple of things there. I've got a couple of questions uh, as is yeah. on my mind. Early morning riser. So my partner is an early morning riser. I'm not. Is your, is your partner Jim, is he an early morning riser? <laughs> Not quite as much as I am, so yeah. I do wonder that with that dynamic of how that works, if you do need to be both the same, whatever one you are, or if you're opposite, can that work? It's an intrig It's an intriguing one, especially with travel and like getting out there early and at sunrises, for example. And yeah, it's an interesting debate, isn't it? Yes, it is. It really is. Yeah, he's. I'm a little bit faster getting packing up, um, <laughs> and he was a little bit slower packing up. But we're 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 both a get up and go people. We're not we're not slow about getting up and going. Okay, so I think that works. My only saving grace with that is that I okay maybe not get up as early, but I can get up and go. I think that's yeah. probably the, which probably makes me get away a bit a little bit more but uh yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and it also, is important <laughs> it is important I like sometimes it's so weird wasn't it like I'm not an early morning riser but, but when you're out there early and you get yourself out there it is magical mm -hmm. um I do actually think that the start of the day is better than the end I guess people might prefer sunsets or sunrises but you know there's a bit of hope at the start of the day and it's coming up and there's a new day and all that sort of stuff right it is really nice to to get out there early and just kind of be there before anyone else yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. your body clock or your body type tells you otherwise, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, with European travel, uh, underrated. I think I, I know we talk about this a lot on my podcasts, the interrail or the Euro rail. If you're not from Europe, about I, I think North Americans find this intriguing that you can just literally go from country to country in two or three hours, and it's a different language, different culture. It's like traveling in the states, but you are in a different country each state is a different country, right? It's, it's a pretty amazing way to travel. I think Europeans don't appreciate it that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I hear like guys like you who say, yeah, we go there, we go to the city and it's amazing. I'm like, oh, I should have done more when I was younger. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but any favourites in the Europe that you maybe can remember that was like, well, oh, this, this city or this place is like, it's pretty good. Uh, and that, well, a couple of, um, after 
graduate school, uh, Jim and I, before we were married, we went to Greece, Yugoslavia when it was still Yugoslavia. Oh, and yeah. that was really interesting. Um, very, very interesting. So, um, and also that was the first time he and I had traveled um, in a foreign country together. So oh, that, okay. that was interesting too. <laughs> <laughs> I think you learned but, a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. And now we've done traveled a lot together, but yeah, um, I, I feel like Yugoslavia was, it was just a really interesting country just before it, you know, basically fell apart. Um, so um, just seeing, um, seeing what, um, you know, the bus systems and things along the coast and then going inland and how much um, the bus systems were sort of more broken down and people were still using scythes and um and horses and not tractors anymore just the difference was was amazing i think some parts are still quite rustic yeah yeah, yeah. not as like you know what we're talking like 30 years on ish yeah um yeah it was just quite crazy and i do like think people if, if you want to see like almost europe 30 years ago you know being nice i'm not like trying to say the backwards anything but like you should go to a place like Montenegro or Albania like they really are quite rustic still and I think they want to be a tourist destination people but they just haven't quite got it going yet so I yeah. think now is is a good time to go and check those countries out yeah 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 and also I was going to say that USA classic when people tell me their travels they all go camping or road trips it's a it's a country built for roads right so yes yeah we learned, we learned on our road trip this year that everyone's out there with the RVs or the camper vans and they're going out to different parts of the of the country that some people travel miles mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like epic miles like in the UK when you travel it's like oh yeah it's a two-hour drive it's quite long but these guys that we met someone I think they're from Alaska uh in our campsite I mean if you're driving from Alaska you'll go through Canada it's a heck of a way to go for a vacation right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but an amazing country to see by car. I would recommend it. Okay. And before we get to the book, I know we touched on maybe a few countries in Europe, but worldwide uh, traveling, you obviously have traveled extensively um, a little bit. So is there any countries that you think, I hate using the term favorite, it's not a favorite term of mine, but maybe some countries that maybe resonated with you quite a lot. Is there any places that you thought, yeah, I just love the people, I love the culture, the vibe, and it really got you going? travel wise um let's see uh Jim and I went to Vietnam and did a bike tour mm. and um I, I found it interesting that having the you know a communist country but not and maybe not a hardcore well a communist country but also um so, some free economy and also the a Buddhist um country so uh, it was um it, it was fascinating and then mm. obviously the history with um the us and france and china i mean it's um they've been influenced by many many different countries and um and the people were love lovely and wonderful and um and it's a beautiful country so it, it's that was the first time for me to be in asia so i haven't traveled that much all over the world but that was my first asian country and it's the only one right now so i i found it very interesting and um yeah it, it just opens yeah. your eyes up to so much yeah vietnam's a great place to start for anyone who wants yeah. to go to asia you're right about it's, it's a weird dynamic because i've been there twice so i think 
I get the same feeling both times that like half the population is young. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. like under, I think under 30, half the population, maybe even 25. Yes. Um, so it's a younger population and they all speak English pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, varying degrees level, but they all speak English, no French. Well, I guess they yeah. can speak some French. But the feeling there is that it is a communist country, but it's not that hardcore. I Honestly, if you're traveling there and you're going day to day and you're doing things, I, I wouldn't even know. Like you, you just yeah. wouldn't hear about it. I just don't think you know much. But maybe the younger generation is just not interested that much in that side of things. They just kind of carry on and trying to uh, push forward. But they, you know, the younger generation, they love English speaking people. Like they, um, people might be surprised to hear that, you know, they love Americans. And I think if you think 50 years ago, that's, that's a crazy thing to see. But it's just that people move on, generations move on, right? So, yeah. But as a country, you biked it, right? Best way yes. to see it. I think if you can yeah. get a bike, like a motorbike, or even a push bike, if you're hardcore, I think that's a cool way to see the country. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a great way to see the country. And I feel like everyone was so hopeful and positive, yes. very hopeful yes. and positive. And, mm. and that, you know, it's a nice, it was a nice, nice way to meet people. Yeah, yeah. Hopeful is a good word to use. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, a sense of just a good vibe. I think like there's no, yeah, hopeful. I can't think of a better word. That is the best word to use. Yeah, the younger generation. And if you're a younger backpacker and you go to these hostels, they're normally worked or run by younger Vietnamese people. They're so friendly to help you out, and uh, they all speak the language because Vietnamese is quite hard to speak. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, a great country. Okay, so we're gonna delve into to walk is to see it. This is your book, and this is about uh, an epic journey of walking. Uh, as I said in the intro, 1,400 miles, basically Northern Europe to the Southern Europe, right through the middle. Um, first of all, can you just explain to the listeners maybe what is the GR5 and why did you choose that route? Um, so the GR5 stands for Grand Randonnée Sank, the um, grand, grand route or Grand Randonnée, the fifth one. There's many in Europe. Um, so Jim and I had been living in Massachusetts. That's where we raised our kids. We were in our, this was 2018. We were in our uh, late fifties and we had always wanted to do sort of an epic journey. I had always wanted to do the Appalachian Trail or oh, yeah. the PCT, but it never quite worked out uh, in our lives. Um, so we decided this was the perfect time to take an adult gap year um, and when we uh, moved up, before we're diving into the next community, we just, you know, we researched what we wanted to do. And Jim is hardcore. He can bike up anything, run up anything. <laughs> and I'm not so much that way anymore. And I didn't really want to carry a heavy pack anymore. I didn't want to um, lug a tent around. And I really, I love to camp for a couple of nights, but I don't want to camp night after night. And we both love culture. We both love um, cities. We also, uh, we love delicious, good food. Um, So we asked everybody we knew what, you know, what's your best adventure you've ever been in? And we ended up running into a Frenchman who had traveled the world for business and for pleasure. And he said, the Grand Randonnée sank. (laughs) And he was talking about walking across the Alps, which we ended up doing, but um, that's the five weeks in the, that's the end of the GR5. But when I went and Googled GR5, it says it starts in Hook Van Holland in the Netherlands. So I'm like, wow, this really, this is, this is a long walk. And I started reading lots of blogs and books. And I personally love, I, di- I didn't quite realize how much I like to research things until 
we were doing until um, we started researching it. And I really enjoyed reading all the blogs and books. And I ran into a blog of a couple that live in uh, France, but they're Americans and they were in their early 60s when they walked the whole GR5. And I'm like, well, if they can do it, we can do it. So um, that's how we found the GR5. It's <laughs> amazing. There are two things there, like the adult gap year. Um, how would you define that? Because gap year is assumed by a lot of people to be younger people, right? Before university is a classic one. Uh, yes. Even before, even after university, before a job, um, I've done it as well. Um, but adult gap year is an interesting one. Yeah. Is that like, are you still working at this point and you're just taking the year off? Are you self-employed? Are you retired? So is it like more just going out of your home for a year and coming back? Like, how would you define it? I think it can be all of the above, everything okay. that you just said. Yeah. I don't think there's, um, and, you know, in a year, really, we were only gone for, well, we were ended up going for five months, but I also include all the time it took to do the research as yeah, part yeah. of the yeah. gap, you know, as part of the gap year. So I would say it's, you know, all of the above. I had a small business in Massachusetts. And when I came back after our long walk, I had, had a really hard time um you know getting back into it and that's why I ended up writing the book and mm. so now I'm doing uh, you know I wrote the book I published the book and I've been doing book tours and so I you know I'm not making a lot of money but I'm still working at least 30 hours a week <laughs> so, God, and, tell, me, and, tell me about it yeah that's, that's yeah this, yeah this podcast so, is the same <laughs> yeah so I you know uh, it all depends on how, how you how you define it. And I think anybody can define it anyway. Yeah. The one thing I will say is I do think a gap year is a time to pause and a time it's sort of a quest where whatever you do for your gap year, it's a little bit of a quest of like, for me, it's like, what do I want to do for the last third of my life? Mm -hmm. And how do I want to set this up? And, um, you know, what are my intentions? So um and I wanted to do it before we got to you know before we couldn't do it anymore either you know but he, our bodies aren't gonna I, you know I think it would be harder to do in our 80s let's put it that way um who knows maybe we'll hopefully we'll still be walking long distance in our <laughs> 80s but um some people do <laughs> yeah some people do exactly so yeah. I don't I don't want to that's an interesting thought because that's so resonant to the podcast what I try to do because so many people, even my age, go, oh, I'll, I'll just go and do, do the travel when I'm retired. I'm like, you can't take that risk. Um, yeah. Uh, just the basic being that, yeah, you get older and you get tired. And like, I, I think doing a gap year, like country to country every week is going to be nine impossible. But also, how do you know you're going to make it that far? Like, I, I wouldn't take that risk if I was them. So, yeah, the, the message is if you can, it's obviously a lot of privilege in there, economic privilege, yeah. um, all that sort of stuff. And if you can do it, I think you should probably think about it if people are listening. But yeah, that's a that's a good point that when you get to those later years, I, I don't think you really want to be out and about too much. You, you do a little bit, but if you're in the 80s, you probably go to a few countries, but you'd rather sit back and then record all the adventures, right? And tell some stories to your kids or grandkids or or your friendship group, whatever, right? I think yeah. that'd be pretty yeah. cool at that point. If you're getting to 80 and you've got nothing to say, it's a bit of a, bit of a sad state <laughs> of affairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, researching guilty pastime pleasure. I I can like spend an hour on Skyscanner country. Okay, well, where where can we go? Where do we stay? Even though I'm probably not going to go there right now, 
but it's, mm-hmm. it's a, an addictive little um uh yeah it's not too bad it, there's worse addictions but like you can yes. sit there for an hour and get really into it can't you yes <laughs> okay we're gonna delve into the book I've kind of devised the notes here uh, for the listeners of course like the last one done with um Terry I've got each part um I think there's seven or eight parts in this book but I'm not going to delve too much into it because people need to, to buy the book to read more into it but I've got some subjects here probably from each chapter that I think are quite important just to get a feel of what you're thinking at the time in these countries um so you, obviously as you mentioned at the beginning Holland Belgium and your first week was actually biking which is quite an interesting start <laughs> uh, what, what yeah. was the thinking there and I, I got the impression from your uh, the chapter here that it's actually quite tough yeah well um as I was re as I was researching and planning I kept reading about they were talking about getting blisters walking on um the bike paths and and how flat it was and I was thinking oh my goodness Jim is gonna he's gonna mutiny because uh it's gonna be too flat and I you know boring for him he likes uh going up and down so I kind of suggested why don't we bike the first week which would have been three weeks of walking so I suggested we bike and and uh, he loved that idea because he loves bikes. So he looked into all the research of renting bikes and we did rent bikes and we biked the first week. But I actually had picked up something. Um, I had picked up some germs on on the airplane. And I think part of the way my I know this now about myself, but basically I get so excited about traveling and adventure that I keep going and keep going when really I my body is saying stop and I got um, quite sick um, as the biking went along and instead of just stopping and going to the doctors I'm like okay well I'll just bike to the train station because there were trains and I could um, take a train to the next place and I would rest so I learned through that whole process that Basically, I really need to listen to my body and um, say, you know, let's take two days off and I need to go to the doctors and which I eventually did, but it took a little while. Um, So I I definitely learned from that experience right off the bat um, to to listen to my body. But there's also, you know, the good part of that is that I can know that I can push through and make it through if I need to. So um, what I was worried about is, you know, you know, when you're on an adventure, you kind of have to step into that sort of, I call it a tough, tough girl skin or a tough woman's Mm. skin. And I need to just keep going and power through when really I need to stop and rest. So it's, it's a balance of listening to of who to listen to. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're quite stubborn. Yeah, Uh, not not to go to to the doctor from what I was reading. Uh, So people can read that for a laugh. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting debate because the problem we have when we travel, and there's like almost two parts really. If you're doing like vacation travel, so you get I don't know two weeks a year, three weeks a year, whatever is in the USA and Canada, UK, whatever, you haven't got time to stop. If you if you really want to see someone for two weeks, you've got to get get going. So it's like quick, 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 and your body probably thinks, "Crikey, like can we do this?" Um, but probably doesn't have time to think of like, "Ah, oh, I need to be ill." Because some people get ill on holiday because they just like leave normal life, they rest, and it's like oh, all these things come out and uh, almost a bit like what what you're experiencing. Um, but it's tough because if you've got a short amount of time to travel, what do you do? Um, I don't know what choice there is. I mean, 
it's a pretty sad trip if you go for two weeks to Vietnam and you're going to bike it, but like 10 days has just been nil. I mean, it's yeah, a pretty yeah. sad trip. And then the second part I was going to say is that if you're longer travel, this is why, if it's possible, I propose this idea, because if you are ill, like you were, you can just chill out for a few days, get better, then go again. That's the beauty of doing a bit of a longer travel. But was it ever in your mind that, like, just to think, we're on this massive trip. I don't know if you had a time constraint for your walking trip, um, if you had a date to finish, but did you ever think, well, we've got three months, whatever it is, like, let's just take two days out, it's not a problem. Or were you always thinking, we need to go, we need to go, we need to go? I think because it was so, it was so early in the trip, um, I, I didn't really know our, we, I, we hadn't even started walking yet, so I didn't really yeah. know our walking pace. It, there were so many unknowns, which probably when there's a lot of unknowns, I definitely sort of get a little more anxious. And so I think that's why I wanted to keep pushing through. And I did stop, you know, I did take those, uh, you know, I did try to rest mm. for a couple of days and it just didn't work. I kept, you know, kept getting sicker and things like that. So um, I definitely know now when I'm sick to, to stop and go to the doctor and, yeah. and, and just, you know, get it over, you know, and rest. And, and it is okay. It is okay to rest. I think I, now that we've done this and we've done some other longer walks, I have learned to, um, to just relax into mm. it. I, yeah, the um, the lesson I thought I got from that is that you could obviously read about your slight anxiety about going to a doctor in a foreign country, which is what anyone would think, especially if you don't, especially if you don't speak the language. Um, I don't. I think I've done it maybe once or twice. And you just have to, you just have to try your best and just hope that they understand what you're trying to say. But that can be daunting, can't it? Because it's a an experience that it's going to be ultimately okay. I think they'll get it in the end, but it can be quite nerve wracking going to a doctor and trying to explain in another language what's wrong. Yeah, I definitely used Google Translate and I had mm. a whole list of my symptoms and why we were there and they read it and under, they were wonderful doctors and I, I felt I felt very taken care of and <laughs> it was and it was only 24 euro, you know. To, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cheap know. in Europe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it it all worked out. It all worked out fine. Yeah. Okay. And what's interesting about this chapter is you talk about your backpack. Now, people listening right now is like, oh, if I want to do a three-month walking trip, how do you devise your backpack? Because it can't be too heavy because you've got to walk a lot, um, but also it can't be too light because you need to carry enough stuff. So how did you, what was your approach to this uh, for your trip? Um, I definitely, you know, again, reading a lot in the beginning and um, of what we needed and what we didn't need. Luckily, I don't think I'm that high maintenance. So um, <laughs> it's definitely cutting out, cutting out. Um, and I, you know, we had our backpacks and we had actually had sort of side pockets onto our, I had a 30 liter backpack or 36 yeah. liter backpack yeah. and Jim had 45, um, and we had these side pockets, but eventually I got rid of enough stuff. So I didn't even have the side pockets and it, it you know, it's a slow, it's a learning curve. Um, when we came back, well, two years, three years later, we went on another walk and I sort of actually cut out too much i didn't bring an extra pair of glasses you know <laughs> um and they broke and that was a mistake so you know you learn you learn yeah of course and, and in europe you can there are many places that you can you know you're walking by drugstores you know almost every day in the villages or you know the pharmacy so you can get you can you can there's always stuff to buy but 
glasses are important to get your exact prescription, you'd have to stay around. So you learn what um, what needs to go. But um, I, you know, the lighter, the better and simplicity, just, you know, putting on the same pair of walking clothes every single day is, you know, yeah. having one one other set. But yeah, but you were pretty flexible. I got from this chapter like you were willing to throw some stuff out if you don't need it. Uh, that, yes. That's a good that's a good attitude to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, I guess maybe like for people thinking, oh, maybe the first week or two might be quite a bit heavier. But if you're willing to throw some stuff out, that's OK. Right. You can just work as you go. Yeah. 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 I like that. OK. And for this chapter, um, in these chapters, there's some characters come into the book, which I like. I like characters. Uh, I think Phillips, um, who didn't speak that great English, but he showed you where to go for the walking route uh, to begin. And I quite like that because he obviously hosted you guys, but it's interesting to analyze the dynamic that you can't speak great English, but he's still willing to help you out, show you where to go. Uh, it's, just, it's just a different thinking, isn't it? Because when you get to like Canada or USA, like, most people just can't speak any other language. So like, it's amazing these people can speak a little bit of another language and help you out. I quite like it. Yeah, I mean, I would say my biggest regret, and I think Jim's too, is that well, for me, languages are very difficult. And so I could speak a very little bit of French to get by. Yeah. And Jim got better and better at it, but we couldn't have deep conversations. So we had to rely on, um, you know, the locals being able to speak a little bit of English and, and other people willing to translate and things like that. But, uh, you know, hands like you also learn, you know, you, you use Google Translate, you use your hands. Mm. Um, and it's amazing what you can um, communicate with um, just just trying and not being yeah. feeling silly and things like that. So um, and sometimes I have a feeling they were talking about something and we were talking about something else and we weren't even on the same wavelength. <laughs> like, but <laughs> yeah, but he definitely had looked up how to say some words because he really wanted to show us this alley this walk this alley which was a you know, beautiful line of trees that um all grew together sort of in a tunnel it was really yeah that sounded really, really nice yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you yeah. described that really well that chapter and also my experience with this is me and my friend done part of the for me uh camino last year and we both made an effort to speak some spanish mm -hmm. uh, but, but we both have one slightly different trait i would say my friend can speak better spanish but i'm a bit more brave so whereas mm -hmm. like if we're approaching a situation and it's like you've got to go and ask someone or speak to someone i think he could speak it better but i think i can probably approach him a bit better so like we had this dynamic where i approach him i'll give it a go probably get it wrong and he's like oh, i think he's saying this and like, oh, okay and we'll just like work together <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it definitely yeah. helps there, doesn't it yeah yes it does yeah yeah exactly and, and i i think over the traveling i've gotten better at better of being you know more confident in just trying even with hand language you know just sign language and yes hand language, yeah. just just going for it, it can, you can't you know they can just look at you with a quizzical face and that's you know you tried <laughs> <laughs> i tried that in uh middle east this year i um I, I know about six seven words in arabic and you wouldn't believe how much difference that makes mm -hmm, uh, yeah. uh, turkey was saying i don't some turkish like five or six words there's a bit of fear in there because when you start a conversation they think you can speak it but you can't you yeah. just know five or six words um but I think ignore that go with a hello how are you and I think that gets you in and I think yes. from there you can work it out I think it's very important for any any trip anywhere totally yeah 
And just to finish on this chapter, I guess Holland and Belgium's flat. Um, you mentioned some blisters as well that you were getting, but I guess that's just like you getting used to walking. Um, I think that happens to most people once they get in the first, like, I don't know, week or two. I think they just work out the body. Um, but yeah, topography was quite flat. Maybe it's, was it in like a nice, gentle start, do you think? Yes, it was, it's very flat in the Netherlands in the beginning of Belgium. Um, then it was rolling the Ardennes, rolling hills mm -hmm. through Spa, Belgium. Um, and yeah, it was definitely rolling hills, but not not no big mountains. Um, and again, the uh, the trail is very well marked um, yeah. and, you know, nice, nicely graded. You're not, you're not stepping rock to rock or anything like that. It was. So it's easy to follow the trail and know where you're going. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I think that goes into the next chapter, Luxembourg. You walk into Luxembourg where it slightly changes, right? The the um the way marks, they kind of get they change. Yeah, the way or... mark change. Uh, yeah, they changed to a circle. <laughs> oh yeah. On green. Yeah. I Luxembourg just does things <laughs> in their own way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it was still well marked. It was very well marked. Yeah, yeah Luxembourg's an interesting country. We went there this year. And um, pristine, clean, organized, I think are some of the words I would describe. Maybe yes. people a bit cold. Yep. Uh, just yep. getting on with the stuff. Is that how you describe maybe your experience? Yeah, and almost empty. <laughs> I don't yes. know. We walked through. Well, again, we were not in. I kind of wish we had gotten to Luxembourg City, but we didn't get there. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked to have gone there. Uh, we were, you know, we were in small, walking through small villages, and many mm. of them seemed quite empty to us. Um, and it was hard to know whether some of the houses were second homes outside of the city that, mm. you know, we were walking through on a Tuesday morning and, you know, the towns were empty. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause you went through, did you go through Viden? Viden yes. Castle. Yeah. Yeah. Viden, we, went, we, yeah. we went there yeah. from Luxembourg city, uh, free, free transport in Luxembourg mostly. So you can get a train from Luxembourg, Luxembourg city to Viden. And a bus, I think you have to get a bus as well. But yeah, I am. Um, it's, it's an interesting place. You mentioned in the chat about the, I think you went for dinner, like a Portuguese restaurant. And there's actually a lot of Portuguese in Luxembourg, is, is one of the things I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize that either, but we found that out. Yeah. 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 Weird quirk. Uh, yeah. Interesting in this, in this chapter, you mentioned you try to listen to podcasts when you walk. And I was like, ah, oh, that's an interesting way to go because I don't think I could do it. Um, unless I'm really like, unless it's uphill and you need some motivation, you get some music or something or, some what some words to listen to but yeah i i kind of felt like you tried that and it just didn't really work because you want to absorb the the area around you yeah i was listening to actually a book on tape not a podcast and um it was a pod it was a book on tape uh about um naples naples yeah <laughs> and, yeah and as i'm walking through you know, a beach forest and the birds are singing it i just it just didn't seem right so i i tried for about 10 minutes and it just didn't work so i ended up not listening to books on tape at all while i was walking and um and i was just there and i i'm really glad i i can't i can listen you know at night when i'm going to bed i listen yeah. to books on but when i'm traveling but um I just did not like it while I was walking. And I don't like listening to music while I walk either. Yeah, I, on a walking trip like this, I wouldn't do it. Um, I need to know and absorb the area around me, I think. Um, yeah. What was interesting exactly. though is that you and Jim would be having days off because you days off to rest, but you do, you go your separate ways. And what was interesting is you go your separate ways, which I think is needed because I think it's an intense trip. You just need your own time. 
but also you mentioned that you're you're quiet walkers like i think jim is very quiet right when he walks uh, or hikes and i'm the same i i won't be indulging in a conversation unless it's a really easy flat trail and that's okay but any any work needed i'm a bit quiet as well when i walk so that's quite an interesting few snippets there but the days off and the separate stuff is interesting as well yeah well you know when, when you're together 24 7 basically <laughs> um on this whole trip you need to have you know we found that we, we needed times to just go off and do our own thing. And when we're on the walk together, you kind of have to stay to, you know, yeah. Not, you don't have to walk right next to each other. So days off, we didn't always go our separate ways, but it was a good time to just, you know, I usually wanted to rest more than he did. So um, he yeah. would want to go do some more stuff, more okay. sightseeing, things like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like you did a whole walk and then more sightseeing. I'd be like, I, I think I'd be like you. I just need to rest. Yes. <laughs> I'm not a good. I'm not a good hiker, so I I will need my rest. Um, I mean, in this chapter, learn about also very interesting to your personal life is your dyslexia, which is a interesting topic of conversation because when I was going to school, you know, this is not that long ago, but like thirty years ago, whatever. Um, it was a it was a thing, but maybe not respected uh, about kids having it. I think you described that in your book, but, you know, obviously going to school much earlier about how you were seen as this like weird person, essentially, who just couldn't read or write, uh, almost dumb, almost dumb, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a crazy thought because I had a friend in school and he's a doctor now and he's dyslexic. So he'd get given yeah. extra time for exams, but he's a doctor, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. researcher, PhD. So it's a weird thing that people used to think that I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. Yeah, well, every, you know, basically dyslectic brains are just very different. And um, many dyslectics do become doctors, um, because they are very three, they can see in three dimensions. And I know, you know, surgery and doing being able to do surgery um, is sort of a superpower. And it's taken me, you know, a lifetime to find my superpowers, but um, I have, I have found them. And they're, so there's pluses and minuses, you know, dyslexia is very, it's very difficult for people learning to read, but um, there are some ways that, um, you know, you are, you have superpowers and finding them um, helps bring your, helps you feel better about yourself. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Cause some of the stuff you're describing, it's just quite sad to read, isn't it? About how you're treated in school and this is awful really, isn't it? But you can't change it and it made you who you are now but it's just a lesson learned for maybe nowadays that dyslexia is probably more accepted now i think but uh, i guess yeah. it's another thing that's now come along that we don't accept as much so it's a rolling process yeah yeah exactly okay and then in this chapter you also talked about family-run hotels this is quite an interesting dynamic because you're starting to run into places to stay on the on the trail where it's not commercial places like literally someone's home or someone's barn at the back garden whatever so that's a different dynamic right because you could, I guess they might be working and you've got to wait until they finish work to open up for you to stay this is a patron shout out to Laura from the Swamp Soup Stickers who has contributed £5 to the podcast on my Patreon thank you so much for your support really appreciate it and it helps the podcast to keep going in the future if you're interested head to the show notes where you'll find a link to my patron the website address is patreon.com forward slash Wigan Air Travel Podcast. For five English pounds, you will receive some trendy stickers from myself and the post, a shout out on each episode, and also my digital travel planner, 
by email. Thank you for your support. Yeah, the Jeets um, um, and different places. Yeah, they um, they basically turn sometimes barns or part of a house into you know bunk rooms or small you know small rooms and then serve uh, family style dinners and breakfasts um, and. Uh, yeah, it was, it, you know, it's a great way to meet other walkers and a great way to meet um, the locals and and um, and chat and things like that. So, it, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, the small hotels are are really are really fun, too. Um, and, you know, at least in the U.S., we're so used to, you know, Motel 6. Everything is um, I don't know. What, what do you call that when it's uh, like a chain? Yeah, a chain exactly, mm. and they're all the same. And yeah. and Europe, it's it's just not that way, and it's mm. it's it's just such a nice way to travel because they're all so different. And um, you know, they uh, people make the homemade jams out out for breakfast. You know, six different homemade jams, and Dreaming. you know, it's just love. It's just very special. <laughs> yeah, and then you described Luxembourg as quite idyllic actually like some vineyards and stuff like that and I'll get the sense that at the end of the chapter and that's where you're getting quite stronger now like with walking you're, mm-hmm. you're in a groove and you're starting to work out what your days are you're, you're smashing in 20 plus kilometer days as well so um at this point you really got your groove yeah it took a while but yes yeah and again since we had never really done that done it I I kind of realize that there's different steps to getting in shape it's one thing to be able to walk all day but it's another thing to be able to walk day after day yes. all day long yeah that's that's a it's a it's a it's a mindset and a physical uh level to get to and then eventually we start we are going through mountains so you have to be able to um add elevation into that equation and get strong enough for that so it, it's step 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 and that's the wonderful thing about the gr5 is that it does start out flat and then rolling hills and then smaller mountains and finally the Alps at the very end so yeah how did you find just go before we go into France for the next chapter how did you find Luxembourg as a as a sort of part of the trip um I, I Luxembourg actually if somebody just wants to do a 10 a 10 day it was about 10 days of walking is a mm. wonderful um if you just want to do part of it and see how you like long distance walking I think it's it it has a nice um it's definitely up and down in parts of it especially through there's something called the petite Switzerland which was um uh, through yeah. some sort of caverns and stuff mm. and it was beautiful and there's lot there's um the different castles to visit and things like that so there was you know interesting culture and the wines um I you know we as we talked about earlier the you know the people weren't quite it was hard to get to know the people I would say um but other than that Luxembourg is beautiful yeah very beautiful and I think you also mentioned this chapter as well. I didn't touch on it, but you start to mix up, maybe get a bus here and there or a train here and there. In Luxembourg, the a lot of the transport is free. So if you want to do a bit of a walk and then get a bus or a train to somewhere, you can, and there's no extra cost. So people can mix that up and see how they go for two or three days. Because like you say, walking one day is, is one thing. I think you mentioned this late in the book. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to it. And then walking day after day is another step. I think it takes a while to get into that. Um, yeah. yeah, you could probably mix it up in Luxembourg quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And then sort of the rest of the book is in France, pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you dip into Switzerland as well. But we're now into the part three, which is Lorraine. 
Um, how did you find the contrast between, you do describe this in the, in the chapter, from Switzerland to France? People might think, uh, sorry, Luxembourg to France, people might think it's the same. But actually, it's going to be different. I think uh, the people will change. It's probably not going to be as uh, refined or as looked after, maybe. Is this what you described, do you think, in the book? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, within the first 10 minutes of um, we come across a walker who starts chatting with us and asking us where we've walked. And um, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story because you need to read it. <laughs> you Absolutely. need to read it. But it's a great um he, you know, he just loved walking and it, um, it just made my heart sing to chat with him um, <laughs> about walking. And you just realize how much the French love to walk walking and believe in the um, their right to walk. So um, mm, that's it, interesting. That, yeah. And uh, let's see. Also, yeah, it's just not quite a, Luxembourg again, sort of everything is in its place. And France is at least the Lorraine, that part of France was a little bit, you know, just not quite as well kept, but still, you know, still wonderful. And then, well, the pastries were good all everywhere, but they are, <laughs> are even a little bit even better in France. So it's a, it's a running theme in the book, the pastries it is and, a and the local fruit as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just yeah. reading it makes you think, ah, oh, I just want to be there eating that and looking at the view. Just yeah. get me there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do put in a real big day in this book, yeah, in this chapter. You've done 37 kilometers in a day. That's crazy. I think that's yeah, going to mess. Yeah. So as we were, you know, planning it out, you we thought, well, do we do um do we do two short days or do we just jump right to Metz? And we decided to push ourselves and you know, see if we could do it. And it was a long day, but we made it and then we took a day off. Um, in Metz, which is a beautiful city, which I had never, I had heard of Metz, but I didn't know that much about. But Same, was, don't know much about it, yeah. It was a, it was a lovely, lovely visit. Um, and the cathedral is absolutely spectacular. God, that sounded amazing at night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. People have to read that to find out. But that, that when yeah. you described that, I was like, whoa, uh, I need to go. And some characters turn up in this book. I think Ronan and Marie host you, and that's where you get to see the cathedral and it's glory really but um yeah yeah they nicely invited us up for champagne and dessert which at like 9 30 they invite well they invited us earlier you know but they said come at 9 30 yeah and usually we're in bed by 9 30 but um <laughs> we made an exception and we had a lovely time yeah i think the people aspect from this one you, you mentioned that you meet a few more people in this chapter but also a lesson that maybe is that if you feel like you want to invite someone to dinner or you want to hang out with someone don't be afraid to ask because I think you said you missed out on a lady called Sabin um Sabin, yeah yeah but you didn't quite ask her to maybe come to dinner because you had a, a cabin to stay in um, and you felt like you missed out a little bit um so the lesson was maybe be a bit more out there and ask any walkers or tra trail people that you see that if you feel like there's a connection there hang out and you know don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to ask exactly I definitely have learned that uh, yeah just, it's, it's difficult though isn't it because you don't know if they speak English yeah well we had been chatting with her we knew she spoke yeah. English but um yeah and I you know again she was in her early, early 30s and you know we were in our late 50s and maybe she didn't even want to hang out <laughs> but she could have just she could have just said no you know but you know I, we have learned to just ask and keep keep chatting with people and 
I also believe um, my daughter has gone off traveling and I know she and a friend ran into an older couple who lived in New York City. This, they were in Peru and this older couple like took them to dinner and mm. they all had a wonderful time. And I sort of think it's, you know, you help out, you connect with somebody else's kids um, <laughs> or, you know, young adults and, you know, give a little and you'll it'll come back to you in different ways. So keep connecting with all, all the different generations, too. I definitely learned that on this trip. It's um, I love being around, you know, younger people and, and older people. Yeah, we have done quite a bit of that, like a lot of people on this podcast, actually, where people have met on traveling. Uh, to give an example, we touched on Vietnam earlier. We were, we were getting a bus from one place to another. I can't quite remember where, somewhere in the middle, maybe Hawaii, mm -hmm. Da Nang, maybe. Yeah. And uh, this tall, big Australian white guy was in the middle. And he's way too tall for the seat. Like he, this guy's like six foot five or six. He's called Michael. And I can see it's just a bit uncomfortable. And they're actually biking Vietnam um, uh -huh. and going around to Laos. So they're biking all Southeast Asia. But they wanted a day off just to get a bus from one place to another. So we just got chatting in a service station that the bus stopped for, I don't know, lunch, half an hour. An Australian couple. And then we kept in touch. And then along the way up Vietnam, we bumped into each other and went out for dinner. So like these little things become really nice little like anecdotes yeah stay in touch and then later they come on my on my podcast and we keep in touch like loosely that they're in Australia now quite far away but yes yeah, it's, it's key to get into those uh, relationships and just ask a few questions and now with social media and your phones you can just get someone's contact yeah. details really quick yeah yeah that's a lesson on, on this chapter and then you go into yeah. I don't know if I could pronounce this right the the Voges or the voice? Voge, the Voge. I did. I didn't pronounce it correctly either for quite a while, <laughs> but it's the Voge. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. The Voge was small mountain range. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Can you describe to, to listeners what? Where is that roughly, and what what is there? Like, what's the topography like there? Um. So it's in the eastern, northeastern part of France, the Voge, and it. Um. I think it's part of Alsace or parts of Alsace oh, yeah. or in the Vosges. So, um, and, you know, castles and um, it, parts of it are quite steep. Um, but um, many of the mountains are flat topped. It was quite interesting. Um, mm. um, Balloon Alsace, you know, it's, it's steep climbing up, but then it's flat on the top. And there's also, you know, cows grazing in the summer, summer grazing yeah. up high, which was true in most of France, which is, is really fun. And the wildflowers were blooming. There was still a little bit of snow on the north facing slopes. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. We, this would, let, let's see what time of year was that now. Uh, that's the beginning of June. We're in the Vosges. And uh, this was the, I would say, the rainiest part of our whole trip. But we mm -hmm. definitely had um, a few rainy days and um, where we had to put our raincoats on. But we lucked out on the weather, basically, on through the whole. That was the only time we basically had to put our raincoats on. So Okay. Yes. Yeah, a lot of things in this chapter, actually, that I would touch on. But people obviously got to read it. Uh, the Balloon Alsace, there's a great story for that. So people need to delve into it. But that's a heartwarming moment when you climbed yes. up there yes yeah, yeah we'll, we'll leave a cliffhanger there and <laughs> you did start to film I didn't realize this until probably this chapter that you had like a little YouTube channel maybe or you're, you're filming, filming on your phone um did you release every week or two weeks 
Um, my goal was to release every two weeks, yeah. um, one video every two weeks. So I, yeah, um, I mean, actually, it's I learned uh, vlogging sort of by watching um, two of my daughter's friends do, um, what is it? Uh, what's Raya's? Raya and Louie, I don't know. They are pretty okay. famous vloggers yeah. in the U.S. Um, and I just watched them do it. And so I and I had had a YouTube channel because I did mindful self-compassion with, oh, with yeah. my work. So I just wanted to do some vlogging. And vlogging is also a great way to record, um, re record the trip, even for yes. yourself. Mm. So, you know, for every video that you end up posting uh, many of uh, videos just don't ever get you know that a lot of it doesn't ever get seen but again it just helps you it helped me for writing the book to um you know um uh, go back and look at those um videos and stuff so yeah and i um would talk about you know different what was going on in my head as i walked <laughs> yeah very honest <laughs> yeah very honest yeah I, uh, everyone says my book is very honest and raw raw i, I don't raw I, I don't know i i like to i like to share <laughs> yeah i am um, like the fact in this bit that you, you, you think yeah i don't know if you said this in the chapter or later on but you were working on maybe finishing like a final product you know getting all the videos together to create like a almost like a uh, like a documentary of your trip really that'd be quite cool uh, I, I assume you've not done that yet no I still haven't done that I it, it's on my list but I that'd be I awesome wanna... yeah, I, yeah. I'd, love, yeah. I'd love to like watch that and just see how it relates to the book that'd be quite interesting yes yeah I I want to learn a little I need to learn a little bit more of editing I think how to I mean my editing is very rough I would say um right and I I just wonder whether do you know if is there um, sometimes it's shaky, you know, my videos are shaky too. And I wonder if you can ah. get them unshaky. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like still the video. I reckon it's probably yeah. possible. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sort of basically intermediate with video editing. So I do, I do a YouTube channel as well. Um, this is one of the things I need to get better at. It's like next year's uh, goal really. But yeah. Uh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'll have a little look, see, if, see what I can find for you. I use Final Cut Pro, which is on my Mac. Um, it's a okay. video editing software. Yeah. Um, but I'd imagine it's quite expensive. So I imagine you must be able to do something like that. <laughs> imagine yeah. like a, a top level videographer, like, oh, yeah, I can sort that out for you. But I just well, wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it's what the recording of the trip. Yeah. It's a great idea. But like, even by um, audio, that's what I've done for my shows this year. Uh, that's why mm -hmm. the podcast has a still going. I'm still a bit behind on it. Um, the little 10 minute episodes each week because it's a great way to me for me to write down and sort of say what we've been doing and remember it. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, cause I'm not a great writer. So just a few notes, do the podcast is there. I can go back to it and listen to it. So it's a great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned this one. Yeah. The four stages of a super walker. What are those? Um, now I got to remember <laughs> what they are. Um, I think it's basically being able to one first is being able to walk every day or not every day being able to walk for a full day, full day. yeah second one is being able to walk day after day yeah um then i know one of them is elevation what is my other i have to go look back well i think book. would the third one be week to week i think oh yeah maybe week to yeah i think it's yeah. in like like time yeah. stages yeah okay. i think you're yeah. saying that yeah if i remember correctly that a full day walking is the first step and then you got to do that yeah. three times or two times in a row and then once you do that it's week after week or even month after month because then 
it really is like a prolonged process. I think the last one is literally your you're running up hills and you're almost like I think you come to the end of the book, you mentioned that you you climbed up a hill and it was faster than you thought you were gonna do it in. So um yeah, that was the last stage, I think. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I was like, oh well, where am I? I think I'm day to day. I can do day to day, week to week, not sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and in this chapter, this area is sort of like ridges, um refu- ref- refugees, refugees, uh churches, uh, little villages, no one there. There's a, a real mix of uh the topography in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we'll go into the part five, the Jura. Uh yeah, you mentioned interestingly that you get like grand views of Switzerland and France. And people might think it's the same, but I guess did it feel different when you start looking across like from these high end points of Switzerland and France? But I guess effectively a border is just a made up thing, but did you feel like you're going to a different country? Um Mostly it was once um, we got towards the end of the Jura, you're looking, you finally can look across at the Alps and the Alps are just so amazing. Um, And, you know, the white, again, this was now, this was later in June, but there's still so much snow in the Alps at that time of year. And so they're awe inspiring. (laughs) And, uh, but that no, there's not too. I mean, the Jura are again aren't quite as steep as the Vosges, so it's long expanses of farm, beautiful farmland, um, and then there are some, you know, rocky drop-offs. Um, mm, mm. So, but there isn't too much difference between the French Jura and the um, Switzerland Jura. It's just the boundary line, really. Basically, yeah, it's just a made-up boundary, right? Boundary, yeah. Exactly, and they and it, it was interesting as a lot of the boundary lines moved throughout the years and centuries mm-hmm. because of different wars and things like that. Taking, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, I liked in this chapter your a little bit about instinct because there's a story I think in there about not getting a public transport like a boat um like seven kilometers down the way and it, there is an interesting debate when you're on this like trip and I guess you would have met people on the trip some people are really strict like they have to walk every inch of it and if they miss a bit they've got to go back and do it and or they just won't even cheat themselves out of like I don't know two hours of not walking like they, they really have to walk or everything and then there's the other side of like well if we get a bus or we get a boat like let's do it but then you think that you're cheating almost and it's like oh what do you do and I, I was like reading this like oh I think I've done this before I, I done a little bit of hitchhiking in on the Camino just for like five kilometers and and did I care at the time that I didn't walk the five kilometers no and then does anyone else care late a year later no <laughs> so I think <laughs> at the time you've got to trust your instinct if you just need a break I think it's, there's, there's no shame in that right exactly and um you know in the guidebook it even says you can take you know you can take the boat and i don't know why i felt like i had you know had to walk Mm. it so um but i have definitely learned to just um and as we got into the alps too some of the people were taking um chair a chairlift up or something like that and yeah of course we didn't end up doing that but i can see doing that maybe when we're you know walking in our 70s i'll take the chairlift up and and Jim will still walk it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think everybody needs to do the trip their own way. What what feels yeah, right for them? Yeah, and, 
Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. Okay, I had two more lessons in this one. I won't delve too much into it because people got to read it, but uh, yeah, the, the, the language barrier. Um, we touched on it earlier. Uh, I, I really felt in this chapter that it really started to maybe grate on you a little bit that you couldn't join in uh, because there's obviously a lot of French speaking walkers. Um, it is a, even traveling anywhere is kind of a, I don't know how you describe it. You, you feel like you should, but it's impossible to learn every language in the world if you're traveling in different countries. But if you're going to one country, I think you should probably try and learn at least something or try and understand what they're trying to say. Cause you do miss out, don't you? Yeah, you do. And um, again, we, we knew enough to, order things and yeah figure figure most things out but to have a deeper conversation there were definitely some other women who were my age walking and they were having a nice you know chat out on the porch and I you know really would have loved to hear what they were talking about (laughs) you know what their jobs were and you know I I love people and I love stories and um so I yes I was feeling a little sad and uh I guess lonely too you know um missing my friends and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, mean, who knows, maybe one of these days we'll have such great AI or computer things that whatever they say will get translated quickly. I'd I'd be able to understand (laughs) it and I could join a a deeper conversation that hasn't quite happened yet, but who knows? (laughs) And then it'll be one language for the whole world. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's danger, right? Yeah. But then you do mention that there's a little community of you walking at this chapter, like you start to bump into the same people. Obviously mm-hmm. you could commu- communicate in English with them. And yeah, the first sense of like a real community of walkers, you meet them in different places along the trail, say goodbye, and a sense of like a common goal and belonging. Yes, yeah. Um, and again, this was also different age range. There was yes. a young couple and an older couple, which was a lot of fun. And I'm still in contact with the younger couple. Um, and they're actually not a couple anymore, but that's fine. You know, oh, they're, okay. they're they're still friends, and yeah. uh, they actually both bought my book and take took a picture of them with their oh, uh, with the book and <laughs> sent it to me. So that's just really, really fun. And they were wonderful about translating. Um, yeah. When we were eating, when there was longer stories and things like that. So, um, yeah, the community of walkers, which I think is very similar on the Appalachian Trail. People talk about they sort of become a family on these mm-hmm. long trails and and in the Camino people yeah. get to know people really well and you know we hadn't had that until till we got to the Jura um and then actually some of these these people finished didn't keep going on the Alp um to the Alps but we yeah. did you know run into other other people in the Alps mm-hmm. and then bumping, bumping to people is good but then you start to realize that book accommodation is quite tough um, I, I, get, I guess it makes sense if it's a popular walking route in the summer. Um, these places do get booked out or booked quickly. Was that was that a stress on the walk, do you think? Yes, it was. Um, and actually, it was a little bit more in the beginning because um, we got better and better at 
uh, um, okay. at, at making races. reservations. Um, mm -hmm. And at first we only made two or three days out because we didn't need to make them more than that. And we also didn't know exactly our pace and everything like that. But you're right, as it got more into summer in the Alps, we definitely booked out two weeks or three weeks. And that sometimes took our whole day off. I mean, one day we were uh, we were in the Vosges and we were just basically all day long working on um, getting uh, reservations, which was kind of kind of a pain. And now, now we've also learned to just trust it a little bit more that you'll you'll find a place, you know, mm -hmm. you'll find a place. Key and lesson. they're not yeah. they're not gonna kick you out, you know, especially in the mountain refuges. They'll you can sleep on the floor if you have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're not gonna kick you out. So <laughs> um, you know, again, we've learned we've learned a lot through the whole process. And at one point, actually, Sabine, she gave us the name of a um it's called sleeping on the gr5 and it's all in dutch but we could figure out it was a giant spreadsheet of all the places to stay oh and wow you we, we ended up using that um quite a bit so cool. um, that's a great resource. you end up yeah. finding out more and more um places and just keep asking people too yeah asking people that's the key right uh, yeah. and then you started to sort of question after you finish which is an interesting thought because you still got the Alps to go yet in the book, but you maybe something after the walk, like you're starting to worry about maybe going back home to Vermont or your business that you mentioned earlier. So that's interesting that you're already thinking ahead. Well, you know, again, I sort of thought this walk or quest was going to, you know, bring me clarity of of what yeah. my life purpose was going <laughs> to be. But it, uh, but I hadn't been thinking about the you know the future and it kind of worried me that I hadn't been thinking about it um but uh it all ended up you know sometimes you just have to trust <laughs> too I mean obviously I was reflecting on life as we were wa walking which I share in the book but yeah. um I wasn't reflecting on the future all that much which is all okay you know yeah, yeah course, we're yeah. all talk about let's stay in the present anyways right now <laughs> yeah you're right to say that about the book there's a mix of where you are and what you're getting up to and who you're meeting but also reflection on your life up to that point very you dip in and out i quite like that it's like you know i don't know accommodation somewhere meeting some people and the next time you explain about a previous experience where it might affected that day or whatever so yeah i quite like that you're going i'll get to know you as well as what you're doing then so it's like a mix it's really cool mm -hmm. and then the next two chapters is the alps um which maybe looking back was it maybe a bit easy up to that point or not easy but like it's okay to that point right but the alps just seems to me daunting that you've got to that point and yeah there's ridges and there's ups and downs but the alps is a mountain range like oh my god you've got to go walk up them <laughs> like were, were you nervous about that do you think Oh, I was definitely nervous about the Alps. Um, I wasn't sure if I, I could do it. But then I did, you know, once, um, once we got there, and after the first day, I realized, you know, I could do it, we, you know, we had been walking for two months. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and it's not any steeper. Again, the wonderful thing about European trails, they're, they don't go straight up. They zigzag mm -hmm. back and forth, and they're very well taken care of. Um, so we definitely were doing, I mean, some days we we're climbing 4,000 feet um, every day and down 4,000 feet. So it, they were bigger days, but by that point, I was in pretty good shape. 
Um, yeah. So I could so I could do it. Um, and we didn't end up taking as many days off in the Alps too because we were in pretty good shape. What we did do is towards the end we definitely took a few long days and cut them in half and just did two shorter days and taking taking instead of taking a day off, which mm -hmm. was a lot of fun because then you get to just. Um, enjoy it don't take you? it a little enjoy it and take yeah. it slowly yeah yeah that's a temptation to keep going right all the time faster yeah. faster faster yeah. yeah and in these chapters your friends come margo and jim uh there's a story in margo there. and todd yep oh, sorry yep. margo and todd sorry um yep. there's a story in there that the these are good friends to have <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i think we'll leave it at that as people to understand why um to hear the story but yeah these guys they were described as almost like super hikers almost uh, they are they're, yeah. they're triathletes they're triathletes yeah triathletes yeah hardcore <laughs> hardcore yeah and cold abyss i think i don't know how to pronounce that right uh is like a place where you feel like you've entered the alps i guess the views would have been incredible up there yeah yeah well and and the wildflowers you know the snow has just melted off a lot of these areas so the wildflowers were just incredible and you were so high, you know, it was the hot, tallest views that we've gotten so far. Mm. And you turn back and you can see Lake Geneva still way down. And then looking forward, you see Alps after Alps after Alps. Um, so like snow capped yeah. mountains and stuff, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But on, on my notes here, all these like places that I like, stay in, like they just sound incredible. But yeah. It, and what's amazing is here, you know the alps are five weeks of walking and every day is spectacular <laughs> and it just keeps you know we we just couldn't believe that it, it you know it can still be spectacular day after day after day it's that's incredible isn't it amazing. yeah, yeah. You, you also had a interesting story in here um people obviously will read it but it's about uh i don't know if i pronounce this town right chamonix chamonix, chamonix. Yeah. Um, where you had a decision to make because sometimes it can be dangerous on the terrain, right? There could be avalanches or rain. Um, and it's like, I think it's an interesting lesson in this one about trusting your instinct about what you feel is the right way to go or the wrong way to go. Um, and do you think that's like just quite an important thing to have in, especially in the mountain areas, because obviously things can change day to day, can't they? Yeah, you have to pay attention to the weather. And um, I tend, to, you know, this is sort of the, um the angst between Jim and I he wants to just keep going and going mm. no matter what and I tend to want to preserve life <laughs> and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have that tendency to preserve life um so we it was quite snowy and the weather was not good and I was like we need to turn back and he's like no let's keep going and uh, we do end up turning back um, because there was too much snow on these ladders and things like that it was um and I'm glad and he's glad we turned back too but you know um so interesting that's, topic when, that isn't it risk yeah. versus non-risk with men and women yeah. that yes, you mentioned in yes. that chapter it's an yeah. interesting way to analyze I guess I'll just think about me, like what am I? Um, definitely more risk than non-risk. Yeah. 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 And it's also um time in the mountains too, knowing um, you know, when to take the risks and when not to. But for me, when I'm in a new place, I definitely am more careful. Um, yeah. Because I don't know the avalanche, you know, there 
I don't think there was avalanche danger right there, but there were rocks if you had slipped and it, it would have been bad. And you were told to turn around by a tour group, right? Tour yes, group leader. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that that tells it all. That, if, yeah, if they're exactly. experienced and they're telling you to go around, yeah, turn around. Yeah, 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 I mean, turn around. yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I think the problem that I would have on a hike or a walk is that I would always choose the route that's quickest because I want to get out of the way. Because I'm not oh. great at walking or hiking, right? I, I get tired very easily. And well, I think, well, if it's actually two kilometers, but it's two kilometers more, I'm like, I'll just get there quickly and get it done. So that's probably where I'd be a bit more risky and just, oh, let's just do that way and go that but, way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you also dipped onto another trail on this chapter, the GR55. Yeah. GR55. Yeah. What's that? So at one point, the GR5 and the GR55 split, and the GR5 stays down low going from village to village it's just not quite and the gr55 is considered the high route it goes over some higher passes and um even though i say i'm cautious i do like a little you know an adventure and yeah. um you know i had read the guidebook and it didn't say it was it wasn't any more it wasn't any more difficult it was just higher elevation so there was definitely more snow but it was packed, the trail was packed down and people had been in front, you know, we weren't the first ones crossing, <laughs> crossing it that season. Um, so we did the 55 and that was actually, uh, I think we cut off a day and a half or something going that way. So oh, you okay. would have picked that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, again, sometimes higher up, you know, bigger views and, and things like that. So. Uh, we definitely saw more and uh, we saw some uh we saw some uh chamois some goats mountain goats yeah, up mountain there goats. too so it's mm. very pretty and you start to describe about you walking with jim you're sort of like working together now like you you know, you know each other's i guess strengths and weaknesses how far you can go the pace um i think you mentioned it because obviously when you had your friends come in do a bit you know a short bit they can like go straight off and they're really fast you know like, hang on we need to get into our groove so yeah, you start to realize that walking with Jim is you just know where you are each other you know sometimes yeah. you disagree we all do but on the whole it's a good teamwork mm -hmm. yeah the last chapter the Southern Alps uh I haven't actually read it all yet so I'm in for a treat uh, I assume we finish it um but you're actually there for the World Cup win when France won the World Cup yes. in 2018 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they deserve to win that they should have won that this year really I think but <laughs> What was that like, just being in a country that in England, we we fantasise about the time we would win the World Cup again. It's been, we haven't done it since the 60s. Uh, I think we can imagine what the country would be like. I think it's a boost. But what was it like to be in France when they won the World Cup? Oh, it, well, it was wonderful. And, you know, all along we had seen some different, uh, some of the other matches which yeah. was fun. It's just fun to be in a small bar um, yeah. when the the home team is, you know, is winning. So we saw a lot of winning um, games. And even in one mountain refuge, um, there wasn't a TV, but they were all huddled around a teeny little iPhone watching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, were, we weren't watching at that point. But again, it was just fun to see the the hope and the love of, of foot, football. Um, football, so, yeah. <laughs> and then um, when that night when they did win, um, we were actually pre-tired that night and we were not in, Modane is not the 
pretty, I don't know, we were just really tired. We ended up ordering pizza in, which we had sort of never done. And yeah. we watched it on in our bedroom. And then we looked out the window and you could see when once they won, you know, the whole town went wild. There were fireworks and any kind of musical instrument that could be found was played. Yeah. And people are driving the cars up and down and, you know, honking. And it, it was so much fun. To, and it was still light out. You know, I think I think they want to around i don't remember the exact time but mm -hmm. you could um see them all just having so much fun and so yeah it was it was it was pretty it was pretty special they, everybody was happy <laughs> yeah and it happens once every four years right so if yeah. you win it it's a big thing it, it really uh, a very big thing yeah yeah that's a i think that's in new zealand at that point yeah it's in wellington and there's like a small contingent of french people there, like tiny and they they all see went to the same bar <laughs> so uh -huh, yeah. i think at, at three or four in the morning when it's pretty quiet that on this night they're pretty loud so yeah that was quite <laughs> yeah. interesting to see what's also interesting this chapter which i've read so far is that you described the age of the hikers and i put this in relation to my travels this year about the age of travelers and it's weird we're in like mid-30s and you don't meet many people backpacking at our age because if you think about it probably got a career kid maybe some kids um mortgage as well like it's very like rare to meet some people our age that are just backpacking the same as us and what we felt like there was lots of people younger you know 18 19 mm -hmm. 20 uh, early 20s yeah. or lots of older people mm -hmm. who obviously maybe retired or got plenty of time so what was your uh impression that you yeah, i think you meant like some older than you some a bit younger than you but mostly older most yeah especially up in um some of the mountain refuges um I don't maybe the younger people are actually camping now that wild camping now that I think about it um you know backpacking and carrying their tents and things yeah. like that because we did see run into younger people camping um so but in the mountain refuge um I had been reading this book um and he talked about coming into a mountain refuge and feeling like he was in an old folks home yeah <laughs> and, and I looked around and I'm like yeah everybody's got gray hair and, <laughs> So yeah, um, but what's so wonderful about that is that there's all these, you know, people in their sixties and seventies yeah. still walking, and what a um, what a culture that is, um, you know. And we felt sort of blessed to be part of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that reminds me of a story that again, Vietnam. I don't want Vietnam kids coming up today. We're staying in an island, and it's called Phu Quoc. It's in the south, and at the time, twenty thirteen. They just built the airport, so not many tourists there at all. But the only tourists we saw in our accommodation was an American couple in the 70s, just drinking some vodka and enjoying a holiday. And I was like, oh, wow, like these people are going for it in Vietnam. I, I, we've only really met people our age at this point. Yeah, we started to yeah. realize that there's this older crowd that go to these resorts and yeah, hang out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, I haven't finished a chapter, but I assume you finished the journey. Um, What's your overriding feelings at the end? Well, I talk a little bit about how coming down into Nice, where there's, you know, all of a sudden thousands and thousands of people, you know, it's yeah. high summer along the beach. Yeah. And they're all vacationing. And nobody really cares that we just walked across <laughs> the continent. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had nobody, nobody there cheering us on. So it's a little bit anticlimactical. 
but it was also super emotional too. Uh, we sort of dove into the um, dove into the Mediterranean, which was so warm and lovely. Yeah. I just dove in with my clothes on. You know, Jim dove in with his sh you know walking shorts, and you know we were you know it was but like being sort of like being baptized, and you know, <laughs> yeah. we definitely had finished our journey. Um, and then we spent four four days in Nice and. Um, celebrating and uh, and rest just resting resting yeah. <laughs> and we we were tired by the end i will say we are both of our bodies were just wor worn out we couldn't have gone any further mm -hmm. um but and then it, it's so interesting to come home and everyone's like so what did you learn you know they kept <laughs> saying you know that was a you know a uh trip of a lifetime and it you know it really was a trip of a lifetime and obviously i couldn't stop thinking about it and that's why i ended up writing a book about it which i didn't sure. know i was going to write uh, okay um, yeah. i did not know that i had kept a journal uh basically a paragraph every day i wrote so not long and jim yeah. had done about the same and he shared his journal with me and that's how i ended up deciding um. to write um, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. And I also, I mean, I had never heard of the GR, any of the GRs before. And I just felt like it was really important for people who love, um, who love to walk, but don't want to camp is go to Europe and walk, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah, like the Camino is is, is famous for having all those little uh, albergues, they're called, yeah. uh, along the trail where it is every village. Yes. So you can stop anytime and don't, you know, don't worry, there's going to be somewhere to stay. Um, especially if you do one of the less known trails, um, yes. there'll, be, there'll be space in there. Yeah. And I think yeah. in Europe it's just built for that. Yeah. You can just take your time, stay anywhere. Mm -hmm. If you want yeah. to go further, you can. If not, there's no, there's no pressure there. I don't know what it's like compared to where you are in Vermont or USA, but if you're doing a walking trail and you want to stop, I guess you've got to put a tent up and stay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's very different. Very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's what i love about spain loved, i loved it um was there a feeling of like missing something because obviously you've been walking pretty much every day for a long while uh there's a goal attached to that you're trying to get to the end was there like a sense of loss maybe like or a purpose at the end or were you just so relieved to finish so tired that you're ready for the next thing um no i definitely when i got home i wanted to keep walking uh, not every day obviously not every day but i went off and did hikes and ended up doing a lot of hikes by myself mm. just on the we're pretty close to the long trail but again just day hikes and i wanted to keep my fitness up yeah. since I, you know since i worked so hard on it <laughs> um and I, and i and i did miss the walking so i i did enjoy it and then i found over the next three years, basically, I did a lot of walking to help me writing to do the writing when I was doing the writing, because once I started walking, it, you just remember, it brings up that pace of step, step, step helps you remember everything that was going on and the breathing and what it felt like to climb and things like that. So if I got stuck in the writing, I'd go off for a walk and um take notes on my iPhone as I was walking to just jog my memory oh that's good because walking does help with that I think yeah yeah with anything not just uh writing but a lot of ideas come into your head when you walk yeah yeah, yeah I yeah. do use it as a tool oh that's awesome we actually didn't uh, talk about your title of the book like that that was coined by someone you met on the trail right 
Yes, yeah, yeah. To walk it is to see it. Basically, to walk a country is to see a country. Yeah. I, I can't disagree. That it definitely is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing that stops people is the time, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 If if we had bundles of time, I'd definitely go and walk. I, I I've been saying to my partner like I want to do like a big like six month walking trip somewhere, um, but that requires a heck of a lot of planning and money and all that sort of stuff, right? But that is on my mind like in the future I just want to see what it's like just to walk through mm -hmm. all these like unknown places that you've never heard of yeah yeah it's a pretty cool way to see it and I think you're right it is definitely best way to see it yeah yeah so to wrap up the book uh maybe you can just like finish a few sentences as to why someone should go and walk the GR5 like like what is the one thing you say that people should definitely try it out well, I, I, again, it's just such an amazing way to see a country by walking it. Um, you, you know, you notice as you go through a little village, you know, you see the people splitting the wood um, and, you know, harvesting the wood for the, their furnaces, um, their wood stoves. You see, um, you know, people sweep. I, I don't know. It's just such a great way to see uh, to see a country. And I also think when you have a backpack on your back, people, as you come into the village, people um, uh, have respect for you, even before okay. you've opened your mouth and started, you know, tried to speak French. Um, mm. They have respect for you that you're um, that you're not you didn't just show up on the bus. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you're leaving in an hour. Um, so um, and I and the French and the French culture of walking and the European culture of walking. Um, again, you're um, you're welcomed. So yeah, um, yeah. And I and I do think if you don't want to go do three months of walking, you could go do the Vosges, um, which two weeks. You could do the Jura for two weeks. You could do. So I actually one of these days I want to go back and walk um, part of the Holland and Belgium that we that we biked. I want oh, to go okay. back and do the yeah. walking part, which would mm. be three weeks of walking. And I might just go do that on my own. Jim doesn't want to do that. So I'll either <laughs> bring a friend or go do it by myself. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. We met loads of people doing the Camino on their own. Yeah. And yeah. and also for people trying to understand that like, we were a group of early, early-ish 30-year-olds doing it. But in, in our dorm room, there was a couple that were in their 60s, um, a couple from... I think somewhere sort of mid Middle East who are like in, in their 40s. Like it is a full array of different types of people. And there's like a collective agreement that you don't even need to speak about. Like you, you are just doing a, a walking trip and you, yeah. you're tired. There's no partying. It's just like, yeah. you tell, you tell your story. Where did you go today? Have your dinner, uh, meet some new people. And everyone's in bed pretty early. Mm -hmm. It's a walking yeah. trip, isn't it? It's, it's a great yeah. vibe. I quite like it. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess I, I would also say, um, you know, when you're walking, it's kind of like it's kind of like a meditation. So I, yes. I you know, we've all there's also been all these studies about how good walking is for you, um, you know, for long life, longevity and, and things like that. So it clears your head. It's good for your body. I mean, there's like no negatives. No, there's no. Yeah, absolutely. Not, absolutely not. No. And <laughs> no. um, but. People know the Camino is a bit of a, a religious thing, but you don't have to be religious either to do that. You can just walk no. it. That's, that's not a yeah. problem. But the, the GR routes, I'm going to yeah research more and see what ones I like. Um, I don't know too much about them, despite being from Europe. Um, I'm from Norwich, which is only like 30 minutes from Holland, right, on a flight. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, don't know much about them. But for people to learn more about GR5 and your journey, where can people buy your book? Anywhere books are sold. Um, it's now on audiobook and ebook, um, wherever you buy books. And I know it's available in the UK and France. I'm not sure that uh, I know in Germany they could you, you could get the ebook. You might okay. not be able to get the hard, but anywhere you buy books. Did you do the audio for your book? I did do the audio ah, for my book. How was that experience? Was real, oh, interesting. <laughs> so very interesting. So being able to, you know, I can speak English perfectly fine, and yeah. I did all the English, but I'd forgotten how much how many French sentences I had put in there. Yes, it's not the French book. in there. There is. <laughs> it was so it, that was difficult, and the the woman, the audio engineer, she was so patient with me. Let's do that again. She could speak French. I'm like, why don't you just do it? And she's like, no, <laughs> yeah. we, can't, we can't have that. So there were a few. There, I ended up putting a. Disc, not a disclaimer, but an author's note at the very beginning saying, um, I need, I mean no dis disrespect to the French language, but I've done my best. Please have <laughs> compassion for me. Yeah. <laughs> and there were also a few places where I changed, I said it in English and said, she said in French. <laughs> uh, because it was so, um, it was, that's so, what I would was, do. But it came out, it came, I think it came out well. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. So people can listen to that. Yeah. And what about like any websites or social medias that people can find you on? Um, my website is Kathy Elkind, E L K I N D, and it's Kathy with a K dot com. And if you're looking for pictures of the GR5, you can see them um, scroll down and you'll see um, I have photos from the GR5 on there too. And uh, so that's my website. I also um, Instagram is probably the best place um, to find me and uh, my YouTube channel. There are some videos, too. And yeah. I, since then, Jim and I have done a couple of more walks. We've walked in southern Spain, not the Caminos, but southern Spain. Oh, yeah. Nice. The Andalusia coast to coast. Oh, that, dream. That was a th yeah, that was a three week walk. And then last year we went off and hiked east of Rome in Apennines for two weeks and then in Puglia for two weeks. So oh, wow. we've done oh. some other walks. That's great. I'll put links in the show notes so people can click and have a look. Thanks. That's awesome. Thanks. Oh, the Andalusia walk. Oh, it's got me thinking. That's yeah, the southern that's part one. of Spain. I really want to check it out. I've not been. Mm -hmm. oh, amazing. Okay. We're just going to finish the episode. Uh, I have a little feature at the end. Okay. It's called Quickfire Travel Questions. These are like some of your favorite things. Okay. Uh, that you've seen. Uh, it could be not just the GR5, it could be anywhere in the world. Um, I'm going to start with. It's travel question time. How many states have you traveled to? I think I've traveled to all of them. I need to, except for this, well, I haven't done Hawaii, I have done Alaska, um, except for the Southern. And I need, I want to go down and spend some time. I haven't never been to. Uh, um, Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana. Mm. So down, I've crisscrossed the country many times, but I haven't gone down down there. And that's that's on my to do list, or not to do my bucket list. Bucket list, okay. And which three states would you say are your favorites? Ooh, that's really hard. I lived in Oregon after uh, I lived in Bend, Oregon after. Uh, college for five years and I four years I loved Bend Oregon 
So Oregon, uh, Vermont, and actually I, I love Massachusetts, the beaches on in Massachusetts, and it's just, that's my home too. You know, it's, it's where I grew up and raised my kids too. So yeah, we stayed, I know a um, lot of people wouldn't say Massachusetts, but I <laughs> I think we loved it. We stayed in, this, in Salem on a Winter Island campground, which is like right on the edge of the headland. And it's got amazing mm. views over uh -huh. the, the water and okay. some of these amazing yeah. houses across the wall. Yeah, pretty yeah, idyllic. Beautiful, yeah. A nice little beach as well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and what about three countries that you travel to uh, worldwide that are maybe your favourites? Well, I guess I'd have to say France. Um, yeah. France, and I, I'd say back to Vietnam. Da, 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 da. I don't know. Switzerland too is just spectacular. Just expensive. I, there's so many expense. Yeah, very expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we're heading to uh, South America, so Chile, and Argentina coming up. So I have a feeling those will. Wow, good time years ago. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, my next question was going to be uh three countries next on your hit list so i guess you just, just named two yes <laughs> chile and argentina what would be a third one if you had a choice um another uh um lithuania some of those oh, yeah. eastern baltics. yeah baltics yeah mm. and, and norway someday there's a lot more that i yeah. still haven't done but i also yeah okay yeah what about three international cuisines that are your favorites uh, Indian food, definitely. Yeah. I love Indian food. Uh, Vietnamese food, yeah. or any sort of Asian food. Oh, it's just so fresh and yummy. Um, and uh, yeah, Italian. That's a good answer. Yeah, people love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what about a favorite mountain? Hmm, favorite mountain? Am I going to say Stark Mountain, Mad River? Uh, right where I ski, Mad River Glen um, <laughs> is one of my favorite mountains. Uh, uh, Mount Etna. We I've never oh. been on it, but we were in yeah. Sicily looking at it. I think it's interesting to look, um, go around mountains, but never actually yeah. go on them. And then Stromboli too. Um, is yeah, the volcano off of Sicily. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's on my list. Okay. Uh, what about, <laughs> this is an interesting question, uh, a favorite walk, hike or trail? <laughs> I, I do normally ask it. Um, it's a bit weird that we just talked the whole episode about it. <laughs> well, definitely. Ma the... Maybe one other than GR5, like maybe another one that you like. Uh, well, definitely it's GR5. But uh, there's one that I we want to, I want to do. It's from It's called The Way, but it's whatever the way is in Germany. It, it starts in munich and goes through the german alps the austrian alps and then the dolomites and goes down to vienna huh. so it's huh. munich to vienna and that's i think it's about 30 days of walking that's yeah that's on my list too wow. so okay what about a favorite beach favorite beach oh i know at the end of the andalusia so it's coast to coast. It starts in the Mediterranean and oh, yeah. ends um, in the Atlantic. And after Tarifa, there's Bologna. Bologna, it's a, it's a town of 300 people. And there mm. used to be a Roman city there. So there's all these Roman, um, you know, Roman ruins. But the beaches, white, sandy beaches, and there was no, well, we were there in 
was that November, late November, and there was nobody there, and the water was not warm, but you could mm. jump in and swim, and spectacular, oh. spectacular. Dreaming. Dreaming, oh. yes. <laughs> okay. If you could pick one city in the world to drink a coffee and watch the world go by, where are you going to sit? Um, boy, city, city, city. I mean, Nice, but not during high summer, I guess. Okay, yeah, fair. You know, yeah. yeah. Or... Or Barcelona, I don't know. It's hard to say, just one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you could live in another country for a year and you're not lived there before, where are you going to live? I'm trying to think of something different. Um, uh, uh, I would love to go live in Sicily, um, um, Cefalu. In, okay. In Specific, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Uh, a few more questions to end. Let's do, if you could only have one view for the rest of the time, so an example could be a beach, could be an island, could be a, a mountain, could be the Plains Africa, whatever, what view are you going to have? Um, I have a beautiful view of the mountains right here. But <laughs> I still love the ocean. It's it's a, it's something that's uh, difficult for me to answer uh how about mountains with an ocean <laughs> um, oh uh, yeah vancouver <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly Something well, i am yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay and the last question is i same question for everyone on the podcast if someone's listening right now and they're a bit nervous or they are just a bit anxious about going to travel it could be anywhere not necessarily a walking trip just anywhere in the world any words of wisdom of why they should take the leap take the risk and go and experience different culture in a different uh, place in the world? Um, because, I, and I'm not just talking about physical, you're like stronger than you think. You are more confident than you think. Um, it's our limiting beliefs that cause our anxiety or cause our fear of the unknown and um, just welcoming, uh, learning. It's a practice, learning to welcome that unknown and um, being comfortable in the unknown um, so that it's okay to, to have some fears, um, but let's just hang out, hang out in that a little bit of fear. And, and, but there's so much to learn, like, don't, why waste your life being living in fear and, you know, keep, keep pushing your, uh, your, your own limit, you know, you've made your limits, you know, you mm. can break, th you can break through them. Yeah, that's what I would say. That's awesome. So, Kathy, thanks for coming on to the podcast. It's been a great chat. I've learned a lot. I love the book. I'm, I'm going to finish it today. So read the last chapter. And I really appreciate you making time. Thank you. It's been fun to chat with you. Thanks, Thank Jim. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook, and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. 
Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James. <laughs>